Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Howard Blend, and welcome to Howard's Blend. This episode is brought to you by... No one. This is the second episode in a row where no one is sponsoring this podcast episode. I need to find somebody else. In this episode of Howard's Blend. In essence, the CGMP covers everything from like employees that use to manufacture, as it says in the definition, package, label, uh, anybody that, you know, if you have one company that may manufacture, help manufacture the supplement company, but I mean, the supplements for a supplement company, but then another company does the labeling, they got to follow it too. And it goes all the way like employees handling it. Like our employees wearing, uh, you know, their clean suits properly or something. So there's no hair or something that gets into the product. All the way to record keeping on it. Well, Oakley Doakley folks. This episode of the podcast, I'm going to cover my thoughts on supplement manufacturing. So I plan to do this earlier and my compadres in the uh, mastermind group, which I just interviewed Mr. Mark Jeffrey, the founder of the Design for Life mastermind group in the previous episode, the group, the members of that group, they told me, Howard, you need to do more stuff, social media, podcasts, etc., on your business, the supplement business. So I had an episode earlier on my thoughts on the supplement business in general. And in that episode, I said, I believe I said I wanted to do an episode on manufacturing. So with my fellow mastermind members kind of pushing me, I said, okay, I just need to do this. So I put my thoughts together. I have notes over here to my right. So it's going to be a mixture of my thoughts on it, my experience, and then also government regulation on it because that impacted starting the supplement business. So yeah, we're just going to jump right into it. So I've said before on this podcast, I'm pretty sure I know I said it on my Instagram live videos that the furthest back I remember wanting to start a supplement business was in 2008, specifically the end of February, beginning of March. And that was of 2008. That was when I went to the Arnold Classic in Columbus, Ohio. And I remember that specifically because uh, Muscle Tech was like the big dog on the block. Muscle Tech was a company that makes supplements. And they had Branch Warren under contract. They had Jay Cutler, who was the current Mr. Olympia. They had Dexter Jackson, who would actually beat Jay Cutler that year to win Mr. Olympia. And uh, I just remember going through it and just seeing all the hubbub. I mean, literally, it was like butt to nut. I mean, obviously, now with with COVID, it's, uh, it's not the case. So, but I just remember it was butt to nut. I had like three or four suitcases just full of samples. That was back when supplement companies actually gave a lot of samples. Uh, now I know the business end, more well, the business end of it, that samples are 
extremely expensive. It can be very, very expensive. But um, I just remember at that time saying, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. I know I, I know I thought about it before then, but that's the furthest back that I actually have vivid memories of like, okay, I need to start this company. I need to at least do something. Obviously now it's 2021 and, you know, and I'm, I'm finally taking action on it. So originally the idea that I had to start a supplement company was to make the product at my home, apartment, home, whatever, in the kitchen. And I was going to sell it online, whatever. But then uh, after doing some investigation, then you find out that, well, you can't really do that. So there's a lot of regulation in terms of where supplements are made. We're going to get into that. And there's a difference between making, you know, selling it within a state and then out of state, which is called interstate. So in Texas, we have what's called the, uh, the cottage food. I don't know if it's cottage food law or cottage food laws. So in essence, the law, the cottage food, I'll just say cottage food law. I'm sure I'll be corrected if somebody hears this and I get it wrong. The cottage food law allows you to create a home-based food business in the state of Texas. The only prerequisite being that you take, I think it's like a four-hour online food safety course. I think there's other limitations, like I believe you can't own a dog for for reasons, you know, want fur in your cookies or whatever. But yeah, you can make cakes, you can sell cookies, dry powders, protein powders. You can sell it online, but uh, you can sell it within the state of Texas. You can sell it like farmers markets, food fairs, whatever. And I thought, excellent. This is a great way for me to lower the production costs. I can order the ingredients in bulk and I did an Instagram post, I don't know, maybe a year ago, something like that, where I I was in my old apartment and I showed the ingredients that I used to make a prototype of the powder because that's what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to put it all together, put it in a bag. I believe one of the other limitations with a uh, cottage food law, you know, home-based food businesses, you have to have a specific, like something on, on the label. It has to specify that's like made out of the home whatever. So that was my plan. But then I realized looking in more into the law that you can sell it online. So I mean, go to my website, order it, but I have to actually physically deliver it to the customer. So unless you're at like a farmer's market or a food fair or something like that, where there's a lot of people there, you get a lot of exposure and a lot of potential customers somebody would have to order a lot of the powder in order for it to be profitable to me. So if somebody in Houston wants to order the product, I mean, Houston, I mean, I'm in North of Dallas, it's a five hour drive away. So I would have to rent a car because I have leased, I lease my car and it's only for personal use. I can't use it for business. That means I have to pay gas to get insurance on it in case it gets in a wreck or whatever. It's five hours there and five hours back. They're going to have to order a significant amount of the powder in order for it to be profitable to me. And also you have the issue of scale. And 
if I, the more and more customers I get, well, I can't deliver it to everybody and then have time to try to scale the business even more. So, and I believe, I think with the cottage food laws as well, you, you can make up to a maximum like $50,000 a year. So you have to make less than that in order for those laws to apply to you. Now, also on the issue of scale is, is the Texas cottage food law. You can't sell to anybody in Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, whatever, the other 49 states. Once you sell it to somebody in another state, that's interstate commerce, which falls under federal jurisdiction, which means FDA. So in order to have a supplement that I can sell across the border to other states, then it has to be made in a manufacturing facility that complies with FDA regulation. And I'm kind of looking at my notes here to make sure I've, there's a lot of information on this. I'm just making sure I'm, I'm not missing anything. So one of the regular, I've only listed two regulations. I'm sure there's more. Some of this stuff I got from just my experience, just kind of reading stuff and uh, looking up some federal guidelines yeah, it's just experience and then looking some stuff up. So this is not a comprehensive list of uh, of details. But from what I know of, there's there's two stipulations that a, a supplement manufacturer for somebody selling in interstate uh, is going to, they need to follow or they need to have. And one is they need to be registered with the FDA. And that is part of the... Um, the Bioterrorism Act of 2002, I think it's, I don't think it's the full name, but it's like the Bioterrorism Act of 2002. They need to be registered with the FDA. And, and that's so the FDA can track the manufacturers. They basically have them on file. They can track if, you know, something happens with a product or something, then they can trace it back to that manufacturer. And then they have the information on that manufacturer etc etc as far as i know there is no database that the fda makes available for me you know a layperson can go and look up a supplement company's database you know their their fda registration information there's no database for that i believe as a manufacturer you have to actually contact the fda to get that information i don't even think the manufacturers have it i may be wrong on that i think i think i heard that information so they need to be registered with the fda Another reason for that is FDA, they do inspect manufacturers. And from my understanding, the FDA is, is very lean. And when I mean lean, I mean money and manpower to enforce regulations set up for supplement companies. And for supplements in general, but also supplement manufacturers. However, they do inspect manufacturers. And there was one, I don't remember, I should have looked this up before I, I record it. I'll, I'll put it in the notes if I, I'll look it up after this and I'll put it in the notes. It was a, a fairly significant manufacturer at the beginning of 2020, I believe, and the FDA inspected them. And they basically said, any company that uses the manufacturer from, I think it was like 2009 or something like that to 2020. Their products had to be recalled and it was just, I mean, it's online, but it was, when I mean online, it was just like a, a boatload of supplement companies using this manufacturer. 
all the the products had to be recalled. Like I said, I'll put a link to the information on it, but I, I just remember this specifically, and I want to bring up with regards to FDA inspecting the manufacturers. So another stipulation, in addition to FDA registration, re- registering with the FDA, I should say, is, uh, what was it? What was it? I think it's 21, uh, CFR 21, part 11. I think it's what it is. 21. I don't, I thought I had it in the notes. I don't have it. I'm just going off of memory here. I think it's 21, part 111. CFR, Code of Federal Regulation, 21 Part 111, I believe is what it is. That outlines CGMP, Current Good Manufacturing Practices. So what's Current Good Manufacturing Practices? So it's, it's and this actually have in the notes, so I'm going to hold it here because I want to read directly from Yeah, so I'm going to read directly here because I think this will kind of sum it up. It requires persons who manufacture, package, label, or hold a dietary supplement to establish and follow good manufacturing practice to ensure the quality of the dietary supplement and to ensure that the dietary supplement is packaged and labeled as specified in the master manufacturing record. That's 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 a mouthful. And that's what she said. So, why is it so, one thing is it, it, it comes to mind is when I read that, I was like, man, why is it so detailed and so long, almost like a run-on sentence? When I remember from the episode I did on organic foods, the, uh, the reason for that is because the government wants it to be, wants it to um, be all-encompassing. So there's, there's no legal I guess for, I'm trying to think of a way to say it, like an ambiguity in case something becomes a legal issue. It's like, well, we covered it. That's why we had this big ass long run on sentence as a, as a definition. That's my understanding of it. I am not, you know, a, a, an FDA consultant or something. There are people that actually used to work for the FDA and I've, I've heard interviews with them that will actually consult with supplement companies to make sure they're in compliance, you know, et cetera. I'm not one of those. That's just from what I learned from doing the organic food episodes and it sounds like it applies here. So it's uh but yeah, so in essence the CGMP covers everything from like employees that use to manufacture, as it says in the definition, package, label, uh anybody that, you know, if you have one company that may manufacture help manufacture the supplement company, but I mean the supplements for a supplement company, but then another company does the labeling, well, they gotta follow it too. And it goes all the way, like employees handling it, like our employees wearing, uh, you know, their clean suits properly or something. So there's no hair or something that gets into the product, all the way to record keeping on it. And one example is what I said at the very end of the definition, the master manufacturing record. From I look at a master manufacturing record, I heard this before, and knowing what it is, just to the basics of it, it, it's basically like a recipe. Uh, it, it tells you what's in the product, the dosage of it, the strength of a particular product. Like if it's, you know, this product, it's 1.25 milligrams or something. And this strength of this ingredient was like 0.5 grams, you know, whatever. It's basically, 
it provides a record of how the supplement was created. And the benefit of that is like if you, if I go to one manufacturer to make a product and then something happens where, okay, maybe that manufacturing is like manufacturers going out of business or they're not going to make the product that I want to sell anymore. You know, there's a litany of reasons I can get that MMR and you should be able to get the MMR from your manufacturer. And then I can go to another company and say, here it is, recreate what I have. So then it's, it's no, there's no different to it. And you need to have that MMR because I believe that's one of the things that a, a, the FDA can ask for. It's like, where's your MMR? You don't have it where they can shut you down. And the reason why I bring this up is going back to what I talked about about the cottage food laws. So if I want to sell interstate, I want to sell to other states, which yeah, hopefully I want to because then that expands my potential customer base. Then I need to use a manufacturer of supplements that follows at least these two guidelines. I'm sure there's more. These are just the two that I know of. They have to follow them. Or else I cannot, I can sell a product that I make out of my home interstate, but if I get caught, I'm in trouble. I'm violating law. So now I want to go on to the CGMP, what I said. Now in the FDA guidelines, a company, I think it said it had to establish and then follow uh, the CGMP protocols. Some manufacturers will go so far as to get CGMP certified. So they will use a third party, so not me, not the manufacturer, but a third party to inspect their facility and say, yep, you are CGMP certified. The FDA does not require that a manufacturer be CGMP certified. They require that they follow CGMP protocols, but not certified. So the certification is just, it's like icing on the cake. So it's a good way for the manufacturer to promote their services to supplement companies. Saying, say, hey, we are CGMP certified. It's also a good way for the supplement companies, i.e. me, I'm a supplement company owner, to advertise to their customers that our products are made in a CGMP certified facility. So then people know that it's, oh, okay, okay. It just adds an it, it adds icing on the cake that way, but then it adds an extra layer of, you could say, security. Because if a third party is checking the manufacturer and saying, okay, you are CGMP certified, well, if the FDA inspects them and then they find out that they're not following it, they're not following basic CGMP guidelines, you know, et cetera, whatever, then... That is a blemish on the third party, the certifier's reputation. Because then it's going to be like, well, wait a second. You you certified ABC manuf- supplement manufacturers being CGMP certified, but then they got busted by the FDA for not following CGM- CGMP protocols. So what the fuck are you doing, you know, as the, as the third party? So something else I want to mention about this is... And this goes back to the, the, the FDA inspection when I talked about you know, five minutes ago, whatever, that the company that had all their products recalled. So you can have a manufacturer that 
I mean, in this case, it was hundreds of supplement companies using that manufacturer, the one that got busted by the FDA. And this is part of the risk that is taken on by starting a supplement company. I mean, some of the ones on the list, I never even fucking heard of. Like, I didn't even know that existed because you know, there's so many of them. And some of those, that was their only manufacturer, the one that got busted. And if, you know, that time span, I think, was, I, I'm not, I don't remember. I'm just going to say 2009 to 2020. It may be different. Again, I'll put a link to the information um, in the notes of the show. But some of those smaller companies, all of their inventory may have to be recalled. And if it, if they started making it recently, you know, obviously, like if you sold something in 2010 and they said to recall, well, there's nothing you can do about it now. It's long gone. You know, or maybe somebody who didn't use it is just sitting in their shelf or something like that. But if it was recent, like let's say it was 2019, you just started up and you have all your inventory with this manufacturer, you're out of business. If that was it, if you were like, okay, I put all this money into it, you're done. So that's why it's incumbent. And I'll go into a little bit about how to look for a manufacturing facility or at least some guidelines that I follow. Again, I'm just, I'm a small minnow in a huge ocean. So, I, you know, this is not an all, all encompassing comprehensive list. This is just kind of like what I've learned through just trial and error and talking to people and stuff. But, uh, that's all their inventory. You're gone. That did. Business is done. You got to try to get money again to get new a new product. So something else, to, like one manufacturer could have, you know, 100 or 200 something supplement companies. One manufacturer may not have that many. I don't know. You know, in order to have a huge facility like that, the manufacturer wants to have as many supplement companies making products with them as possible in order to get more business. So the CGMP just basically, it, it can be used as a marketing tool, but then it can be used somewhat as a safeguard because, it, again, the, the FDA does not offer a certification. I don't, remember, don't know if I said that or not. The FDA does not offer a CGMP certification. They just say, here's the guidelines. And then the manufacturer can go to a third party and get CGMP certified. So then it, it basically adds a, a safeguard to, to supplement companies as well saying, okay, well, if they're CGMP certified, then more than likely their their shit's legit because it's the certifier's reputation on the line too. So I know of there's a litany of certifiers out there, CGMP certification bodies. The two that I know of off the top of my head are NSF and UL. I know NSF, I believe, is the National Sanitation Foundation and UL, what is it? I think I have it listed. Do I have it listed in my notes? Do, 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 do. Underwriter Laboratories. So the manufacturer I use now, or we're going to use for the Howard's Blend plant-based protein powder, plugging there, they are certified CGMP through NSF. Also in the notes, I will put the website for both NSF and Underwriter Laboratories, UL, where you can actually search the database. You, I know with NSF, you can search by, if you have a name of a manufacturer, uh, if you have a state, like, okay, I want to use any manufacturer in Texas. So you just put Texas and it'll list all the manufacturers. You can change it. You can put like 
they make food, they make supplements, you know, whatever you can change the, what you're looking for, like the, the, the heading or the category of a manufacturer you're looking for. But it also tells you if their certifications expired, when's it expiring, if they're looking to renew. So I had a manufacturer that I was looking at using, everything looked really good. But when I looked it up on NSF, it said they were certified, but within like three months uh, from the time that I looked it up, their certification was going to expire. And then it said either not renewing, they voluntarily withdrew the recertification. Now, is that bad? It could be, maybe not. They could be just going to another certification company. Maybe NSF was charging too much for the certification and said, okay, we're going to go to another company so we can still maintain the CGMP certification, but it's cost is cheaper. Don't know. Maybe they're just foregoing it and not getting CGMP certified since it's not required that they have certification. I don't know, but that's kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. I prefer to have one that was certified by NSF since from my understanding, that's kind of like the, the top level. I may be wrong, but that's my understanding. So that's why I said like, uh, no, I'm not going to use them. So I went with somebody else. The one I have now is certified CGMP. I believe when you find it, you can actually click into the manufacturer and it tells you what certifications they have because they may be certified, but not necessarily CGMP. So it'll say like, it'll give a, I, I think it lists the Code of Federal Regulation 21, CFR 21 Part 111. And then it'll tell you if they're certified or not. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head how it looks, but it'll tell you like they are CGMP certified and then they have, they may have other uh, certifications because there's, you know, it's food sanitation. So there's a, 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 a plethora of certifications that they offer. Just CGMP is just one of them. So I mentioned that because it's required that a manufacturer follow those protocols, CGMP protocols by the FDA. That's why I listed. So going back to using a supplement manufacturer. So if you have to be registered with the FDA, if you have to follow CGMP protocols, well, that's also a, just CGMP alone. That's a lot of money because it's, it involves people's safety. I mean, it's, it's one thing to make t-shirts, you know, to make a t-shirt, have a clothing company. And there's not the, not, you know, obviously it's not food. So there's not these stringent regulations. There may be other regulations regarding clothing that I don't, I don't know of, but there's not these stringent regulations because people aren't eating food. I mean, people aren't eating clothes. Maybe there's somebody out there with like pica or something like that. They're eating clothes, whatever. But this is stuff that people are putting into their bodies. So when you get that, I mean, I'm not huge on government regulation, but it's like, okay, people are eating this stuff. Yeah, I could see where, you know, maybe more, more regulation is, uh, or the regulation is required. Uh, so what's next? What's next? There was something I wanted to say, but I don't remember. Oh, that's what I was going to say now. It came back to me. So see, just following the CGMP protocols costs a lot of money. So if you look at a, a company like me, for example, I don't have outside investors. I didn't really want outside investors. I wanted it to grow organically. I want to start it myself with the money I have and then use the profits to help it grow. I don't have the money to go build 
you know, or invest in the in machinery, which could be possibly, I'm just guessing, tens of millions of dollars to get the machinery to make protein powders, to to make pills. Uh, you know, the, these big these machines that you know fill up the the capsules just right, or fill up your the bottles just right. To these huge blenders, I mean, these blenders and these manufacturers that make like your protein powder. There's these gigantic, gigantic blend and like gigantic machines that just turn it around in like different directions to blend it properly. I mean, you know, and I'll tell you in a little bit like how much I was quoted by some of these manufacturers to make a product, and it's like I don't have, I don't even have that money to get a, a product from some of these people. And it's like I don't have tens of millions of dollars, and you think a bank's going to give me a loan for that? I mean, fuck no. So it's that's the reason why it's basically it's limitation of the it's a limitation in terms of money to have the uh, the machinery to to manufacture a product but you also think about it these are just two regulations that i talked about these two kind of prerequisites for a supplement manufacturer i'm sure there is a shit ton of other regulations that supplement manufacturers have to follow in the record keeping and all that involved I can't do that alone. I'd have to hire a full staff in order to just handle the manufacturing alone. Not to mention like distribution, like sending it to customers. Or if I want to sell in another country, then I have to work with who a, dist- a distributor over in like England or Europe and then to ship it over there so they can distribute it to people. And I have to hire probably FDA consultants and stuff, you know, so I make sure I'm in check with the FDA in case they come to inspect. I mean, that's. That's a boatload of time, manpower, money. I don't have that as a small as a small company, so it's, it's easier to go. Okay, I'm going to have the manufacturer do it. You know, they follow the protocols, they make the product, and then they just put my label on it. Now, what's important is that the FDA considers the manufacturer as an extension of my business, as an extension of. SMB Nutrition, that's the name of my the company, Spirit Mind Body Nutrition. So even though the manufacturer has the expertise in terms of manufacturing, following CGMP protocols, you know, being compliant with the FDA, making the different products, etc. If something happens with the manufacturer, just like the example I gave of the whatever happened in 2000, I think it was 2020. Supplement companies are still impacted by it because the manufacturer is an extension of the supplement company. So you can't, as a as a as a company owner, I can't just blindly have them make the product and say, "Well, you know, all I do is sell it." No, the government looks at it as that they are part of my business. So it's important because, just like I said, like some of those smaller companies. That may have had all their money in inventory made by that manufacturer. That inventory can't be sold now. They're SOL. And I know just, ima- I can just, Im- I can't, it's hard for me to imagine the feeling of that. It's like you put all your sweat equity and your blood, and you, not literally, but figuratively, effort into starting a company. And you may have got donations or maybe, maybe you even pre-ordered product where you say like, Hey, I'm starting this company. This is what I want to do. Pre-order it. And I'll give you like a discount on it. You know, help me raise the money. And now you can't legally sell the product. How are you, how are you going to tell those people that, Hey, I'm sorry, but I can't, 
I can't give you the product. I can't legally send it to you because it's it's been recalled. Yeah, I can't imagine that. So it's I'll get into this a little bit about what I do to kind of like some tips that I use. I mean, take it for what it's worth uh, to find a manufacturer, but that's vitally important. So, I mean, I guess one of them just to go ahead and get pre-started on it is to look up if they are certified CGMP. If they're not, if they're not on the NSF database, you can't find them in the, um, I keep from remembering underwriter laboratories database, UL database. That doesn't mean that they are not certified. Like I said, there's a, a litany of certifiers out there. You need to call them and get that information. Some manufacturers will even put their certification on their website, like a PDF of it. So you can see who it is. Maybe go to that certifier's website, look up the number, and see if it's invalidated. Uh, but if you call the manufacturer, they should be willing to send you the certification or at least give you the information what it is. If they don't, and they're kind of hemming and hawing, and they don't really want to send it to you, then uh, you might want to think twice because like, wait a second, I'm just asking for your certification information. I'm not asking for, you know, I'm not asking for trade secrets, you know, or something like that. So there's a difference there. There, There's some manufacturers, and this doesn't mean they're bad. I'm not saying that they're bad, but they will put on there like made in a, or something, it'll say something to the effect of made in a facility that follows CGMP guidelines. Well, that's different than being certified CGMP. There's a difference there because they can't say they're certified if they're not certified. I mean, that's that could be fraud. But if they're made in a facility that follows CGMP guidelines, well, that's what the FDA requires anyways. It's like saying, uh, what was it like? I think it's something like, and this deals with the USDA, but it's like on a package of chicken, it'll say like, Chickens are not given, you know, these chickens are never given antibiotics. And, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm not privy, I'm not 100% sure, but I tend to remember something like, well, according to USDA guidelines, you're not allowed to give chickens antibiotics anyways. Or maybe it was cows. One of those, they'll use that as a tagline, and oh, there's no antibiotics. And it's like, well, you're not allowed to give them antibiotics anyways. You're basically telling me you're following the law. Well, that's what you should be doing. So not saying it's bad. Again. It's just these little word word things you watch out for. Like, well, is it are you CGMP certified or you follow the protocols? Because if you're certified, well, then you're following the protocols and you're certified. But you could be following the certif- the the protocols and still be okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that since they're not certified that they're automatically out. It's just it just adds an extra layer of check. And some people may say, well, uh, you know, it's possible that somebody at you know, ABC supplement manufacturer like paid off the third party certifier to give them their certification. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's possible. Sure, it's possible. Is it probable in my opinion? Maybe I'm ignorant on this. No, I don't think it's probable. Because again, the third party certifier's reputation's on the line. So, yeah, that's uh, what I know about that. So, let me turn the page. I believe next we go into kind of like some things that I look for or that I looked for in a manufacturer. One second. Okay, yeah, that's the case. So let me just set up here. I'm going to have to turn the page in a minute because there's a couple of notes here that I want to grab. So look at this. I'll show you here. Make sure the boom arm's not in the way. 
hopefully it's zooming in. I'm so bad at this. I don't really, I don't want to move the boom arm because it's like right in the perfect spot, but. I made two pages of notes on this stuff, peeps, so. Uh, make sure I didn't want to miss any of my thoughts because as I kind of think it, I want to make sure I document it so I don't, I don't want to depend on my memory because I'm old and my memory sucks. I'm just going to hold it until I turn to the next page. So yeah, one of the things that I looked for in a manufacturer was are they CGMP certified? So I preferred NSF. So again, I'll put the link to the database where you can look up a manufacturer if they're certified NSF, uh, certified via NSF. Another thing to you can look for is FDA violations. So a violation, whether it's minor or major, I believe the FDA publishes it on their website. So the one that I mentioned a few times back from last the beginning of last year, almost about a year ago, that's on the website. You can go there, you can see what the violation was, and then there's a list of all the companies that were impacted by it. But again, just like with the CGMP certification, that's not a deal breaker because there's one that I know of, and I'm not going to give the name. There's one that I know of that um, they actually had a violation, uh, of FDA violation, but it was something minor. I mean, when you actually read through the details, when they put up on the website, it's almost like the FDA makes it like ominous, like, oh, beware of this. But when you actually read through the details, it was something like, I mean, I'm, I don't know if this was it, but I remember it being so minor. It was like, well, their records were kept in like descending order instead of ascending order or something like that. It was something minor that wouldn't impact the, the product you're getting. It's not like you're buying protein powder, but yet you're getting like powdered steroids or something like that. Like they just screwed it all up. I mean, it, it, but still it was a violation and they just gave them a warning. So a violation doesn't mean that your products are automatically recalled. It's just a warning saying, hey, you just need to fix this. But they still publish it to their website. So if you look up the manufacturer, and you could look up something like name of the manufacturer, like something, you know, manufacturer violation or FDA violation, site FDA.gov or something. It'll, it'll, they'll list on the website, FDA's website, the details of that violation. So it, Read through it because it could be something minor. That you're like, oh, that was it? Whatever. But again, it never hurts just to look and see if there's been any violations. Because they may have violated and then they, you know, the violation may have been from 10 years ago. And they've never had a violation ever since. Or you can't find any. So it's like, oh, okay, they cleaned up their stuff. Make sure I'm not missing anything. So another one. Now this one uh, I plan to do. I have not visited the manufacturer that I am using. A lot of this because of all the stuff with the pandemic. But once things start to turn, maybe soon, I want to schedule a visit to the manufacturer. There's one thing I, I suggest. And this is not from me. This is from listening to other manufacturers. I listen to a ton of podcasts, interviews with other supplement company owners. And they give this as that. Visit the manufacturer. Now, similar to the the CGMP, you can't just 
far as I know, there's no company that I know of where you can just drop right in to the manufacturer, like knock on the door and say, okay, I'm here. You know, I want to look. You have to schedule it. Now, I've heard some people say, well, if you schedule it, does that mean they're cleaning up their act? You're like, oh, shit, Howard's coming in. We need to clean this up, make it look like we're actually running a, a decent ship here just so, you know, it pleases him. Is that possible? Yes. Is it probable? Probably not. Because if they're CGMP certified, then, you know, they have to follow those guidelines. So it's, you know, plus if, you know, it's, and I'm just going to leave it at that because if, you know, if they're certified, more than likely they're not doing that. I mean, I don't know anything about it. If I walked in there and it was actually a manufacturer that was running a really shitty show, I wouldn't know the difference. I mean, unless I saw like mice running across the, the floor or cockroaches climbing up the wall or whatever it is or you know employees picking their nose and then handling the product then i'd be like okay something's wrong but other than that i'd be like i don't, I don't fucking i mean if a book sh- if a, a shelf holding the product is three inches away from the wall when cgmp says it's only should be one inch from the wall i'm not gonna know the fucking difference so you know, whatever okay so okay another one is obtain samples so I got samples from the manufacturer that I use, and the benefit of this is, one, you can actually see if it tastes good, because, I mean, it, it, if, unless it's, if it's like a pre-workout powder, protein powder, like me, vegan or whey protein powder, whatever, egg protein powder, whatever, whatever the hell you're going to use. You know, something that where flavor is necessary, obviously you want to get samples, even if it's not, even if you're just making a pill, you want to see about getting samples. Now, if it's possible, I suggest sending those samples off to have it, the ingredients verified. So what's on the label is verified what's in the product. To be completely transparent, I did not do that with the product that I, I'm currently waiting to get delivered to me. I checked with labs. I know one in particular, they said, oh, to kind of reverse engineer to get the list of the ingredients in it, you know, basically what I was going to do is going to have it tested, a sample tested to see, okay, these are the ingredients. You know, it's got pea protein, rice protein, you know, uh, rabadia side A, stevia, and, you know, it's got, uh, you know, what was it, spirulina, whatever the case may be, you know, alkalized cocoa, whatever the fuck the, the ingredient, salt. Is that what's, is it match what's on the ingredient list that the manufacturer provides? Or the, the it can either be the nutrition facts with, with protein powder or, if it's like a pre-workout or a pill, it will say supplement facts. But the labs, the information I got back, it was like $30,000 to get that done. I was like, I don't have that kind of money. So it's like, yeah, it goes back to like, okay, if they're CGMP certified, the one that I've been with has been in business for decades, longer than I've been been around. So I was like, okay, it's pretty much, I, you know, I don't, I, again, I don't know 100% for sure, but I looked up FDA, any FDA violations. I didn't see anything that was like, oh my gosh, they were found selling, you know, steroids in their powder or something like that. So it's like, okay, it's more than likely it's, it's legit what they're, what they're, what's in the ingredients matches what is actually in the product. But I did have it tested for protein content. I sent it a sample to one lab, have it tested to verify the protein content. I did send it to another lab, another sample to have it tested for heavy metals, especially with 
with vegan protein powders, heavy metals can be a concern. I'm, I'm going to do, I have it on my list. I have a shit long laundry list of episode topics I want to cover. I do want to cover because vegan protein powders can have more heavy metals in it because there's heavy metals in the ground. You know, you, and then you, you're using these ingredients that are grown in the ground, you know, as raw ingredients to make the protein powder. Okay, well, then you can have heavy metals. Well, I mean, is it a concern? Yeah, I mean, it could be a concern yeah, if it's high. But if you're eating the vegetables, you're getting the heavy metals anyways. If you're drinking water, you're getting, I mean, they check for arsenic in water because it can be high in arsenic. Whatever. You're getting the heavy metals all the time. But I can see the point that, well, if I'm getting it through vegetables, I don't want to get more. I want to get as little as possible in the protein powder that I'm using. So I think with whey, I think there could still be heavy metals because, you know, the cow is ingesting the grass, which could have metals in it, whatever. But I think it's less of a less of an issue with whey. I may be wrong on that. It's more of an issue with, with plant-based powders. I had it tested for heavy metal content. From my analysis, I'm not a master at it, but it looks like, okay, it's really nothing nothing horrible. I've, I've compared it to other companies that have great records in terms of heavy metals, and it was like the same or less you know, uh, than what they have. So a lot of that too is there's so much light brought to it. I think it was, was it the Clean Label Foundation project. I think it was like from 2018 where they said, oh, the vegan protein powders are horrible. So there's more eyes on it. So now raw ingredient suppliers, manufacturers – they're in companies they're more they're more focused on it because they know oh, okay well the public knows they may be looking for that so we need to you know clean up not that they were doing something bad but they want to be extra vigilant you know in terms of that so see if you can get a sample just to make sure it tastes good make sure it's actually what you're wanting to do i mean you don't want to get a sample and all of a sudden it's like oh it tastes completely different than what i ordered i wanted blue raspberry you sent me strawberry or something like that Um, something else that, uh, shit, see, this is the problem. See, so I didn't write down all this stuff. So some of it, I was just trying to remember. And as I said, I'm old. So my memory is gone. I wanted to mention this when I talked about manufacturing. So when I talked about at the very beginning, so when you go to like your GNC, you go to your vitamin world, you go to vitamin shop, you order from Amazon, you order from the company themselves on their website. Howard'sBlend.com for Howard's Blend plant-based protein. Not yet, but hopefully soon. You know, the like I said at the beginning, more than likely the product that you were ordering was not made by the company themselves. They were made by a manufacturer. There are, there's a handful that I know of off the top of my head that make their own products. Um, Optum Nutrition, which I think is the most popular or the most profitable. I guess that maybe they're the same profitable and most popular supplement company. They make their own products. They are owned by Glambia, I believe, which is a ingredient supplier. So that's a point I want to touch on here as well. So you have a manufacturer, again, the ABC Manufacturing Company. What they do is they take the ingredients and then they put it together per your formula. And we're going to touch on that. I'm going to, there's a whole other episode on that, but I'm going to have to touch on that point per your formula here in a, probably in a little bit. But I want to have a whole separate episode for that because that's a whole other can of worms. 
So they, they take the ingredients and then they put it together, you know, per your formula or per the master manufacturing record as made. Well, they get the raw ingredients from raw ingredient suppliers. From, from what I know, Glambia, they're like one of the larger raw ingredient suppliers, like whey protein. If you order whey protein from, uh, well, by Optum Nutrition, so I just mentioned Optum Nutrition, they're getting their whey protein from Glambia, but there's a, you know other companies that get their whey protein from Glambia. So Optum Nutrition, yeah, I guess it would be the parent company actually supplies the raw ingredients or the parent company actually makes supplies the raw ingredients and actually makes the product as well Uh, let's see thorn i think it's t-h-o-r-n-e they make really good products i like their products especially their capsules because they don't have like magnesium stearate in it they use like a vegetable cellulose like a vegetable fiber Um, the whole idea of like the magnesium stearate is so it doesn't clog up the machines that make the powder i mean to make the pills but there, there, there could be some negative side effects with that. Like I haven't looked at the science. I don't. I've heard yay and nay on it. But they don't use that. They usually use like a vegetable cellulose, I believe. But they make a whole litany of products. They have a manufacturing facility in North Carolina, I believe. I believe they make their own products. Um, what's it? I think First Form, uh, part uh, co-owned by uh, Andy Frisilla, which I love his podcast, the MFO uh, MFCEO project. I think now it's like Real AF. I don't listen to that as much. I love the MFCEO project. That was that was a great podcast. I believe he, I believe he's owns the manufacturing facility. Or part owns the manufacturing facility that makes First Form products, good products as well. So my point with that is that. When you go pick up a product, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, it just came back to me now. When you pick up a product off the shelf, whatever, you know, Walmart, whatever, just know that more than likely it's made, it's not made by the the company themselves. It's made by a third party. You know, it's more, I guess in this case, well, I guess it's third party if you have customer, company, and then manufacturer. But it's made in the manufacturing facility. Does it mean it's bad? No. I'm just, just so you know, just for pure informational purposes. Okay, so going back to the point on looking for a manufacturer, another one uh, you may want to focus on, depending on where you are in your journey as a supplement company owner, is liability insurance. So some manufacturers, the one that I use, have a liability insurance policy that I signed on to, but it's probably a good idea. I haven't signed up yet because I actually don't have all the information yet for the product yet. But uh, it's probably a good idea to, to at least look into getting your own liability insurance. So now I've heard both sides on this. I've heard, well, if you're just starting out, you're you know you're making maybe five thousand dollars a year, or whatever. You're not getting that many sales. You're just you know you're just you're scrapping your way through it, you probably don't have to worry about it. I mean, unless you're selling something illegal, which is already against the law. I mean, you shouldn't be selling that anyways. You're going to be in trouble no matter what. But um, yeah, because if 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 somebody gets sick with your product and then all of a sudden, you know, where they say the ambulance chaser or lawyers or whatever, they say, okay, we're going to sue. And then they find out, well, wait a second, you know, Howard's Blend has any annual income or annual revenue of like $2,000 a year, they're going to be like, well, wait a second, you know, the lawyer's going to be, my fee is $10,000. Well, 
you know, we could sue Howard out of existence, but we're not going to, I'm only going to get a fifth of what my fee is. So more than likely they're not going to take it up. But, you know, when you have something like a, a vegan protein powder, I mean, for the most part, there could be someone that has bad experience. For the most part, it's probably going to be, oh, I got indigestion. Well, okay. I mean, you eat day-old chicken, you're going to get indigestion probably worse than that. So, um, but as you grow, and it's 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 a case-by-case basis, I am by no means offering legal advice and telling you not to get liability insurance. That's up to you. You have to make your own decision. One second. <clears throat> Maybe one second. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of stimulant-free pre-workout. I'm not huge on pre-workouts, but I'd use it sometimes. The stimulant-free version. It just it makes the water taste a little bit good, but I'm not really into just drinking just plain water. So for anybody listening to the podcast, I just drank out of a little water bottle. I literally just got finished with the gym like maybe 10, 15 minutes before I started uh, uh, recording this. I did some chest and back today. But where was I? Okay, so yeah, liability. So it's up to you. You have to make your own decision. Um, I believe from what I remember, like usually there's plenty of companies that offer like supplement company liability coverage. The manufacturer I use, they actually give a name, the contact information from like a liaison that they have for that will actually, you know, try to find you a policy. But you have to supply them with like, okay, here's the ingredient list. Here's how much revenue we make, you know, whatever, and they work with you to actually find like a a liability coverage. So it's up to you whether you want to have an additional liability coverage. Once once I get all the final details on the product, I'm going to see about getting extra liability coverage because it's just, I guess it's better that way just in case the shit hits the fan. You never know. That's another, that's another thing. Just another extra thing to maybe look at. Does the manufacturer offer liability coverage you know should maybe i look into getting more uh hopefully my zoom has enough power because i see the batteries draining here but we're almost done i think so now we're gonna just go through my experience i'm at 54 minutes now we're gonna go through my experience with manufacturers so i think I don't remember how many manufacturers I reached out to. I must have reached out to at least 15 to 20 different manufacturers before I found the one that I'm using now. Sorry. Uh, I've reached out to some that I've heard on podcasts, that I've heard you know, interviews, you know, videos with, with other manufacturers. Oh, I use this manufacturer. I use this manufacturer. Some I just I looked up on, on Google. And just say, okay, find me a manufacturer. And then I kind of looked at what they did and I reached out to them. You know, the vast majority of them will have like some sort of contact form where you put in your name, in the name of your company, how to contact and kind of like what you're looking for. So now to be completely honest, when I first started reaching out to manufacturers, I had no formula. I kind of, I had an idea of like what I want it to be like. But I had no formula. I was like, uh, they usually will tell you like, what what kind of product do you have? What ingredients? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So usually I would just email them first because that, that way I kind of find out, okay, you know, do these companies usually can't go through email? Do they go by phone? I do like to talk to people on the phone. The current manufacturer had a great conversation with the guy on the phone. 
and everything. We kind of went back and forth with email and then eventually to kind of nail down the details when I kind of knew where I, where I wanted to go. I wanted to go with them. Then we had a great discussion. He told me the whole process, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Do you have any questions? Really, really good. I like that. But yeah, so it just really depends on the company. Some really prefer to do email, uh, but they should be willing to get on the phone call with you if you prefer to do a phone call, which I suggest because then you can really talk to them and then it just builds, I think, in a more personal relationship because this is what it is. It's a relationship. They're what the FDA says or considers the manufacturer's extension of your business. I agree with because it's literally an extension of your business. And this will, this relates to an episode, an upcoming episode I have planned on sales taxes. Oh, it was a whole fun adventure trying to learn sales tax. And I want to do an episode on that, even though I'm not a CPA. Uh, I think it would be good to do an episode on that. But it's literally an extension of your business. So you want to create a relationship with that manufacturer. If you like the manufacturer, it's like, in a way, I think of it as like going to a car mechanic. You know, they, I've always heard like, oh, you want to keep going to the same car mechanic if you like them because then they're more like less likely to rip you off i'm not saying a manufacturer is going to rip you off you know supplement manufacturer but you know you're creating that relationship it's you know they can help you because they may have connections where you do not you know they can and there's some manufacturers like the one that i'm using they will do labels they would create a logo if i need it they would take professional pictures and the manufacturer can help you with that too so I mean, there's just a, there's a number of different services manufactured offer. They even offer drop shipping. So you don't even need to carry your, your product. So manufacturing, you know, for those who don't know, drop shipping is where like drop shipping su- uh, su- supplements, for example. Fuck, I can't even talk. Supplements. So let's say I have the Howard's Blend plant-based protein. I have it on my website. John Doe in Cincinnati, which I know John Doe personally. He's a really, really good guy. Thumbs up to you, John Doe in Cincinnati. He orders... You know, a one-pound container of of uh, Howard's Blend plant-based protein, chocolate flavor, which is the only flavor currently available. He orders it from my website. I don't keep the inventory. This is the same with drop drop shipping clothes, you know, whatever mugs, pens, um, you know, paperweights, whatever the whatever the case may be, water bottles. Me as the business owner, I don't keep the inventory. So what happened is, it's like my website is integrated with the CRM, customer relationship management, or whatever order inventory software that the manufacturer has. So when John Doe in Cincinnati orders the product, the manufacturer is then notified, hey, John Doe in Cincinnati, John Doe, parentheses, great guy, really cool dude, close parentheses, in Cincinnati has ordered a one pound, you know, uh, uh, ordered one pound bag of Howard's Blend plant-based protein chocolate, wonderful product, five-star rating all the way, five out of five. He ordered it, and then the manufacturer, they put it in the box, they ship it off. That's drop shipping. So basically, as a business owner, you never touch you never touch the uh, the product. Whoever, warehouses, whatever, that's something else. If the manufacturer makes it, but then if they do drop shipping or if it's stored in a warehouse in a different state, that can affect your sales tax responsibility. But that's for a different episode. That's drop shipping. Some manufacturers do that. They would charge you a flat fee per pallet. So pallets like a wooden frame where you can put boxes of stuff on it. Some charge like a flat fee. I think the manufacturer I use offers it, but it's like, um, I don't, I don't have a lot of product yet. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really see the need for it. I also, cause I'm just starting out. I want to ship it myself because I think I can do some extra stuff. 
that I'm not going to talk about yet, some extra stuff for the customer to help build that relationship. So then hopefully they become a repeat customer because anybody can sell something once, but it's that repeat business where that's where it comes in. So I want to do it myself because there's positives and negatives to drop shipping. The positive is that well, you're not in charge of the inventory. So this is something I forgot with looking for a manufacturer, but I'm going to mention here like, you know, for supplements, the positives are, well, if you have a high MOQ, for people out there not sure, MOQ, minimum order quantity from the manufacturer, well, you don't have to store it. You know, all I have is my apartment here. I don't have the money to go get a warehouse or something like that to store it in. So, you know, there's the benefit of, well, they store it and then they're shipping it out. So I don't have to worry about it. I can focus all my energy on trying to market the product to get as many sales as possible. The downside is that, well, I'm not in charge of the distribution. And as I mentioned earlier, they're, you know, this manufacturer, one I use now, I mean, they're not going to tell me who else uses them because it's, you know, it's a violation of privacy there. But you know, they may have you know, 50 other companies that you know, use their services and that they're ordering a lot more product and giving the manufacturer a lot more money. So they're going to focus on getting their orders out first. So it may delay shipping the product out. So your customers might get mad. So there's positives and positives and negatives to it. Let me go back to that MOQ because this kind of works in with my um, with my uh, on what to look for in a manufacturer, but also works into my experience with it. So MOQ minimum order quantity. So <clears throat> a manufacturer will tell you if a supplement manufacturer, like when you if you look on the website, it may say on the website when you talk to a sales rep there, they'll tell you if you order a product. The minimum order quantity is the minimum number of units for that product that you have to buy. So if you think about it, uh, the wife just came into the room. Okay, she's going to the bathroom. Okay, we're good. You may hear a flushing toilet here in a little bit, but that's, hey, that's closet podcasting for you folks. Uh, oh, she's speaking Spanish fast. That may mean she's upset. She's speaking too fast. I can't hear her. So is anybody out there understand Spanish? If you hear in between my talking and japping, if you hear what she says... Let me know. She may be talking about me, which she usually is. Love you, sweetie. Oh, yeah, she can't hear me. All right, so MOQ. So it's like uh, most, the lowest that I've seen, there are some companies that do like 144 units. So you can order 144. Shit, I'm jabbing here. So the camera's almost out of batteries. If it runs out of batteries, I will make an audiogram on the rest of it. You know, 144 uh, units. Most of the manufacturers that I see that were like certified, you know, that had all the prerequisites that I was looking for, most of them were like a thousand. So you'd have, if you want to get protein powder, you know, vegan protein powder, and they sell like one pound buckets of protein powder or two pound, those are the different sizes that they have. You have to order at least a thousand of one pound, a thousand of two pounds before they even make it. Because if you think about it from the manufacturer standpoint, like I said, when I went back to talking about CGMP, they had these huge industrial blenders you know if i go to them and say hey i'm howard blend you know i don't really have a lot of money uh, i only want a hundred buckets of this protein powder here make this formula whatever and then they spin the amount of powder for a hundred buckets when those big industrial sized blenders could probably hold enough protein powder for thousands of buckets and then after they run mine then they have to shut it down. They have to get people in there to clean it because you don't want cross-contamination because that could be a violation. You have to clean it all out. 
for only a hundred, you know, it's they have it's just like with me driving to Houston, the theoretically driving to Houston to deliver the Howard's Glen plant-based protein powder that was made in my kitchen with the cottage food log. It has to be profitable to the manufacturer in order to do it because it's expensive to run that shit. Like I said, the machinery alone could be tens of millions of dollars. You have staff, you have cleaning and all that stuff. You got to get the electricity on. You have to have ventilation because, you know, powder's going in the air. You don't want cross-contamination. <coughs> Damn it, one second. Sorry about that, folks. You don't want cross-contamination, all that shit like that. So you have to have a minimum order quantity in order to make it profitable to the manufacturer. If it's not profitable to the manufacturer, they're not going to be in business for long. And that's the whole idea is to remain in business. Because you got to make a profit. So, uh, so yeah, so the, you know, like I said, I reached out to like 15 or so manufacturers. It's more than that, but that's just, I know it's at least 15 some of them, maybe a handful, maybe more, I never heard back from them. And maybe they were very established and they looked at what I was saying. Because I was honestly, I said, hey, I'm just starting out. This is what I'm looking to do. They may have said like, well, I'm not even going to waste my time. And I don't blame them for that. You know, these sales reps, they get paid most likely commission. You know, they got a family to feed too. So I don't blame them for that. And on the other hand, I reached out to very reputable people. Big companies, there's one that's probably about 20 to 30 minutes from me. I'm not going to give the name because I haven't been given permission. You know, they're in uh, Allen, Texas, which is about, like I said, about 20 minutes uh, east of me. And um, I reached out to him. I, you know, I was interested, and in, in, I got it back from a salesperson, and he gave me, he was like, hey, Howard, to be honest, we are not the manufacturer for you at this stage of your business life. Their MOQ was 5,000. And it's like, oh, crap. So because you think about MOQ, it's like, well, we have, if you have 1,000 containers of a protein powder, if you're just starting out, if you don't have a customer base, you know, with me, I'm basically, a, I'm, for all intents and purposes, ain't nobody trying to get my foot in the door. I'm, you know, I'm not like an actor. It's not a knock on them, but I'm not like an actor who's starting a supplement company. I'm, and I already have a, a following from being an actor. I have to sell that 1000 but I have to sell it by the expiration date, which is normally about two years from where you get it. You know, it just depends on it is, but it's normally about two years. If I don't sell it within two years, oh, she's calling out for little Sam. If I don't sell it within two years, I can't legally sell it. Like the, Just like the people that had their products recalled from the manufacturer. I can't sell it. I'm out the money. So you have to kind of weigh that. Like 5000 It's like, oh shit. First of all, it's probably a lot of money. But second of all, am I going to be able to sell 5,000 units in two years? Yeah, it's possible. But if I'm just starting out, it's not probable. So that's one thing to focus on is MOQ. Like how much of each product are they, you know, are they that you have to order in order for them to do business with you? Are you going to have the distribution? Can you distribute that? Can you get that shipped out to customers? Can you store that? You know, me, I'm storing the product in my, in my apartment. You know, so, um, yeah, so that's uh, something to think about. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. The, the the manufacturers that I actually heard back from and who actually, you know, I, I gave them the information. I'm going to put, I want to find the email with it, but normally there's like a, a document that you have to fill out, like a digital document, and it'll ask for, okay, what's the name of your company? What's the name of the product? 
what ingredients do you have? What, you know, what's the uh, dosage of each? Like, is, oh, is it two grams of this, one gram of this, whatever. They have you fill out all the details. What type of bottle do you want? What is it? Um, is it HD, HPDE or something? I forgot all the different. Like, what type of plastic do you want? Transparent? Do you want opaque? The, the, the lid, if you want like a, like a, like a protein powder, like most people would know, you get like in a plastic bottle. Do you want the color to be white? Do you want it to be black? Do you want the, the cap to be ribbed or not ribbed? I mean, they ask every single detail and then they'll give you like a price quote. I've heard anywhere, and this is an MOQ of like a thousand. I've heard it from 22,000, which is like on the low end. And that's including like, a $2,000 fee to make the, to formulate the, the, uh, the, uh, the flavor. Cause you have to have like a, a, like a formula chemist, whatever, to actually put the right amount of each different type of flavoring that they have to make your actual flavor profile. So from 22,000, that's just to make the product, you know, it's not including like shipping it to me or all that, all that stuff, you know, bottling, putting the labels, that's extra money. Putting a label on the bottle is extra cost per container. All the way up to over $50,000 on the low end if I wanted a completely organic protein powder. It was over $50,000 just to get a 1,000 containers of the product. So you can do the math. I mean, if, I'm, if it's $20,000 and I have 20 buckets, what would that be? I would, have to sell, I would have to sell each bucket for at least $20 just to make even to make back the $20,000 I spent. But if it's $50,000, at least that, I would have to sell each container for 50 bucks. And it's like, that's expensive for like a two pound bucket of protein powder. I mean, yeah, I know some some companies that sell all, all organic that are more than that. I think, what is it, Organifi, they sell more than that. But it's like, okay, is me who is just starting out, am I gonna be able to justify to a customer to spend over $50 on a two pound bucket of protein, that's just to break even. That's not even making any type of profit or anything off of that. So I'd have to sell for significantly more than that in order to get more money to order more product, you know, et cetera. So all that has to be taken into consideration. So it was pretty expensive, but I do have to say the ones that actually followed up with me were extremely helpful and polite. Like I said, the one in Allen, the guy got back to me in an email. He gave me advice. He's like, hey, Howard, I suggest you try this, this, this. I had another one in Allen. Again, I won't give the names because I haven't had permission to give them to him. If anybody from any of these, you know, if it sounds familiar or whatever, oh, I'm from that company. I think I remember you. Or I don't think they would, but you know, whatever. Maybe they had me on record or something like that. Hey, I'd love to have you on the show to talk about it, you know, whatever. But, um, I called him up and he actually spent, he knew within the first two minutes that I wasn't right for him. Based on what I was talking about, he knew like right away I could tell that, okay, this is not going to be a sale. You know, we're the wrong company for how. But he still spent over a half an hour with me on the phone giving me advice like, hey, Howard, okay, we're not right for you, but try this. I suggest you try this. You know, if you're going to go this route, you may want to try XYZ. If you want to go this route, try ABC. And I, I told him, I was like, dude, I'm, eternally grateful for it. I mean, this is, in, this is valuable information from somebody who's been in the business for a while. So, you know, that I, I have nothing but positive things to say about any manufacturer I've reached out to. They've all been very, very professional and everything, the ones that got back to me. So what else, what else, what else? 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, in order to find the manufacturer, it was just, it was, it was, you know, like I said, listening to podcasts, listening to interviews on supplements. Um, there's a great podcast. If you are interested in this, the supplement engineer podcast, it's a great, great the way they do like supplement reviews. They have people from the industry, different companies on just kind of gives you an idea, like how they got started. I think the guy where they, like Roberts, the guy who, uh, hosted you know, kind of like what's their origin story, et cetera. It's just, it, that's one example of a podcast where they give really good information on like on supplements it's on, on that. So it's good, good stuff. But yeah, listening to interviews, podcasts, reading, that's another thing, just reading, looking online, doing research on it. You know, that's kind of like how I kind of get an idea of like what to look for. Again, this is not an all, all encompassing uh, list. It's just kind of what I know at the moment, you know, a year from now, what I'm saying now, I may have 30 more things to look for based on experience going through it. So, um, yeah, so what's my, uh, in terms of if you find a manufacturer you want to look for, what what's a, what's a great way to start? So, one would be, and unfortunately, I'm going to be completely honest, I haven't fully done this yet. But I just know based on now that I'm like balls deep in this that, oh shit, I really should have done this before. But, you know, it's, I guess it's part of it. Is be really exact with who you want to sell to. Um, you know, if, if you're making like a diet tea, if that's this, if that's the, um, well, I guess maybe I'm trying to think of an example. So if my goal is to cater to hardcore bodybuilders, you know, just the, Ronnie Coleman fans, you know, Branch Warren fans, like hardcore bodybuilders, if I want to cater to them, for example. But then my supplement is like a diet tea, like a detox tea or something like that. It's possible there could be hardcore bodybuilders that are looking for a detox tea, maybe. But just off the top of my head, I'm thinking like, well, those are kind of two different things. The product doesn't really match the market that you're going for, you know. A vegan protein powder called Howard's Blend Plant-Based Protein, that really doesn't ring any bells or like, that's not like a hardcore bodybuilding type supplement. That's not, that's not who I'm looking for. And this is where my complete transparency is. I'm still actually working out who I'm going to try to market it to. And this is something that I did that was dumb. I, just, I call it dumb. I should have realized this before I started like, okay, who am I really going to sell to? But I was so just pissed off myself i just wanted to get started because i procrastinated for so long that he said okay i'm just going to do it this is what i want to do so um but yeah so again i mean i guess that instead of using the, the diet tea i should have just stuck with this howard's been plant-based protein does that really garner any interest from you know a dude who's 280 pounds you know huge you know killing in the gym every day you know wearing like gasp apparel you know it's got the uh you know the work boots on stuff like, like the doc martens man that was back in the day when all the bodybuilders were like doc martens and shit to the gym i don't know if anybody ever does that anymore brings back memories but um does that really kind of match what a hardcore bodybuilder would use well no i mean it really doesn't it doesn't mean a hardcore bodybuilder won't use it maybe one who's vegan or maybe he's just trying to incorporate less meat in their diet so it's kind of like you have to kind of match the product with, you know, I guess go back, 
find who you want to sell to first and then find a product that matches with who you want to sell to. That would be kind of like my advice. Don't do it the way I did, or at least I don't suggest you do it the way I did it. I was just so fucking tired of my bullshit, my own bullshit. I just said, okay, I just want to get started and I'll find a way. The path will reveal itself when I start the journey, I guess was my thinking on it. But, um, yeah, so a bodybuilder, a hardcore bodybuilder may be, okay, well, maybe I want to go with the pre-workout powder, you know, with the dude with the gas mask on the front. I think I mentioned that before in the pre-workout. That would probably be a better match to somebody who goes to like Metroflex Gym or something like that, you know, hardcore, you know, into it or, or Destination Dallas or something like that, you know, like a hardcore, more hardcore. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it may be better if you're wanting to do more like the bodybuilder type or you know, fitness, whatever supplements, you know, if you're doing like, you know, optim nutrition type stuff, or maybe it would probably be more profitable to do a pre-workout. Uh, I've heard this multiple times, like, you know, do not start your company with making a protein powder, which that's another example of, I started my company with a protein powder. Oh, well, uh, do it with a pre-workout because, you know, everybody likes to take a pre-workout. They like the stimulant feeling, whatever, but I think I've also heard that, and I don't know what it costs to make a pre-workout, but you can make it to where the margins, the margins are in your favors. The margins, like profit margin, whatever, the margins, like how much money you make. So protein powders are heavier. Um, You know, there's so many of them. Um, There's really no way to really differentiate them except for making like, I mean, like a lot of companies now are having like exclusive flavors or flavor collaborations with like Starburst or something like, I mean, Starburst flavored protein powder, like Chips Ahoy or something like that. Other than that, I mean, whey protein powder is whey protein powder. I mean, there are differences in it depending on what you make it with. Like if you make it with a a proprietary blend, which we're going to do an episode on that, you know, you know, the percentage of of a, a protein there's differences, but most of the time, people are going to be like, well, wait a second. It's just protein powder, protein powder. You know, they're going to look at price, but, uh, or if they're loyal to a brand. So you can't, it's harder to sell it for really expensive. Like I was talking about organifying the organic protein powder. So the margins for protein powder are lower than if you make a pre-workout, you know. Uh, so it's normally suggested to start with something like a pre-workout if you want to get into like the bodybuilding sphere or fitness sphere, you know, in terms of selling your supplements. And again, I didn't do that. So, oh, well, maybe that's part of the lesson. I could fall, fail flat on my face, but yet I'm not failing because I gained experience. You know, I'm, I've learned that much more and I've taken, I'd rather fail, or I guess you could say, quote, fail or learn a lesson than never to do it at all and then never know. You know, so it's just kind of my, my opinion on it. And I'll be able to talk more about that. You know, maybe a year from now, I'll be able to say, well, yeah, that, you know, this is more information on starting a company, you know, whatever. Um, oh, it's another thing, like if you're just starting out is be flexible in your ingredients. So the battery's getting less. I think I may have enough. So I'm out at an hour and 18 minutes. So be flexible with your ingredients. So I talked about this with, pre-workout powders you know so like if you're going to have six grams of citrulline malate since i did a citrulline malate or citrulline episode if you're going to have four grams of beta alanine since i did an episode on beta alanine and stuff like that you know i mean if you're using like uh what is it carnison 
carnison beta alanine or using like a name, you know, a trademark version of citrulline mal. I don't know what the fuck that is. Citrulline malate, whatever. That's going to be more expensive. And to put that amount, that's 10 grams right there. I mean, a scoop of your pre-workout may only be 12, 13 grams or something like that. You have to work in all the other stuff with your caffeine, you know, whatever, the betaine or whatever, whatever you're going to use. You have to work in the flavoring in that and all that stuff like that. So, uh, and that, that can cost a lot of money. The more trademarked ingredients, the more ingredients you put in, the higher dosage, when you get into that close to that clinical dosage of these ingredients, it's going to cost more money. So be flexible in terms of, okay, well, I, I'm just, I'm never formulated a pre-workout. So I don't know, like, you know, I'll have six grams of citrulline and then four grams of beta alanine per serving, but that's way over my budget. Okay, what if I cut those in half? Does that fit my budget? Oh, yeah, it fits my budget. Okay, cool, whatever. You know, now is it clinical dosage? Maybe not, but, you know, some people may get a benefit out of that. I've heard, read before where... I think in the episode I said you want at least six grams of citrulline malate. But I've also heard and read where if you actually get less than that, you're still going to get some good effect from it. Okay, cool. You know, just be flexible on it. Don't be so dead set on it because it may go over budget. That's nothing. And I'll do a whole other episode. I'm going to do it on this kind of like what I was alluding to previously, that custom formula and a stock formula because that relates to Howard Splin plant-based protein. I want to that. Uh, let's see. Is there anything? I think that's all I had. Oh, shit. Okay, I hit the wall here, but I, I don't think it came showed up on the on the microphone. That's it, folks. That's really, really all the information I have. Again, I want to repeat this, and I'm going to probably should put a disclaimer in the description. This is not legal advice. I'm going to say that when I do the episode on sales tax, it's not legal advice. I'm not telling you that you should or should not choose a manufacturer based on what I said. I'm just giving you general guidelines that I look for. Maybe this would help somebody who is already has a supplement company. Maybe this would help somebody who's looking to start a supplement company. That's kind of the whole purpose of it. If any of you guys or gals already have a supplement company or you are a manufacturer, you're like, Howard, what you said is wrong, please let me know because I found this information, but some of it is just kind of like what I know, and it may be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. It's part of it. Learning process. Make mistakes and learn from it. So yeah, it's pretty much it. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and do the outro right now. So thank you all for listening to this episode of Howard's Blend. If you have any questions, like I just said, you have any questions, comments, cheers, cheers, whatever, my uh, content or contact details, Jesus, my contact details are in the description of the show, Instagram, LinkedIn, email. At this time, this is the 14th of uh, February, 2021, my website is down. I no longer have the subscription with the current uh, website hosting provider. I'm in the process of switching it. So the website's down, but the email's still available. Howard at howardsblend.com. You know, you already know all that shit. Um, what else am I going to say? Cause I always forget this. Oh yeah. Yeah. The show, if you shows available, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Amazon Music. I'm still working on trying to get it on other platforms, so stay tuned for that. Because I want to get to the point, I think I said it in the last episode, where I just say, 
wherever you listen to podcasts, you will find the show. And then the plan is when I get the new website up, they'll have links to the show there too. So you can listen to the, to the show there. Um, yeah, folks, that's pretty much it, man. So happy Valentine's day. I know it won't be, the episode won't be available at this time, but happy Valentine, happy late Valentine's day to all the ladies, guys, whoever in your life, show them that you care. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm going to go look up some supplement manufacturers. Adios, folks. 